And we're back. All right, so where did we leave off? We were at CIA. Ah, they get to uh, unknown guy, CIA guy's facility, which is secured, mm-hmm. and they meet Hank McCoy yep. for the first time. And Charles outs him. Yes. Without even oh realizing God. it. I loved it. So this this is interesting and they've already done a lot of good things for different types of people in real life um during the X-Men first class movie this being the newest one yeah um in the series and also the first one with the new cast as we've mentioned prior but with first class they get this, like I said, is roughly about three quarters of the way through the movie now. Because mm-hmm. um, this is a two-hour movie, and this is about an hour-ish, hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the last half of the movie happens at this facility. But they meet Hank. He's working on designs for the Blackbird. Yep. Uh, what was it? SA-81 or 61 or something like that. The very top secret um subsonic aircraft or sonic boom aircraft um stealth plane yes um and then like you said charles outs him it's yep. like oh another mutant why didn't you tell me <laughs> and he turns looking around. at the the funky or the unknown CIA guy who owns the facility. And then like instantly he like reads his mind. It's, it's like, like, Oh, cause you didn't, didn't know. It's like, oops, my bad. Well, by the way, Hank McCoy or AKA beast is in very human form, not blue, not hairy. Um, and at this point never was, Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that he has is mutated ape-like feet, which yeah. he promptly shows, and the fact that he can grip onto things because he flips up and holds onto the side of the model aircraft. Yes. Um, but, uh, of course, then Raven walks up to him and kind of... Yeah, like gets all excited and flustered and everything, and of course makes him flustered because she's gorgeous in her human form. Yeah, uh, it it's Jennifer Lawrence for God's sake. I mean, bitch is hot. Yeah. Uh, anywho, so there's a little love interest there starting up because mm-hmm. they're both intrigued by one another and. A whole bunch of other scenes kind of happened during that portion. But then they move off of the facility for... No. They find out that Hank actually developed and created Cerebro. Mm-hmm. Um, out of a dome uh, satellite dish. Yep. Or satellite... Not receiver. What's the other word? Transmitter, a satellite yeah. transmitter. Yeah. And with extra satellite receivers on top in the hopes of being able to locate people. Right. So, or other mutant or people in general, but mutants as well. Mm-hmm. And 
um, over time, he's like, well, I'm not going to help you if you if suits are basic because Magneto walked up or Eric walked up in the process of Charles talking to CIA guy and he was willing to help locate mutants. But then Eric came up and talked about, I'm not going to let suits. We skipped a scene. Did we? Yep. We skipped when he went to Argentina and when he went covertly to try and kill Shaw. And that's when they first oh, meet. Oh, when they meet. Shit. We, we skipped over that. Okay, where was that? That was... Oh, that was before uh, the collaboration where um, Moira brings Eric... Or brings Charles and Raven to the CIA headquarters. Yeah, I think so. Because Or right after. It was right after that because they used the CIA to locate... Um, Shaw in Argentina. Right. So Eric covertly... Well, oh, to... Go ahead and talk about it. Well, okay, so they use... Okay. <laughs> Hold on. So after... I think it's after the scene where Moira and them go to the facility, it goes, or somewhere around there, goes to Eric, who has made it to Argentina after getting the information from the French bait, uh, bank, <laughs> banker. That's right, because they meet Hank first. Right. And then with, it's, it's just, um, no, because they had some kids with them, too. No, that was, bef- no, that was after, <laughs> the kids are after. Yeah. Because that's when they actually use Cerebro. Use Cerebro to find other mutants to help them against Shaw. Okay, so they meet Hank, and then with Hank and CIA, they locate Shaw via intelligence, and they go with to Argentina. Miami. When Eric goes to Argentina, uh-huh. it is... The um, that's right. The okay. two guys that used to be Nazis, the like pig yes. farmer and the Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. So he goes to this very like reclusive. I think it's like bar somewhere around there. So he goes to this bar and he is sitting there, orders a drink. They're talking, blah blah blah, and he looks over and it's the two guys and Shaw standing in a picture by a boat. And then that's when um, Eric, you know, gets in conversations with them, blah, blah, blah. And he's drinking a very traditional German ale or German beer. Right. And to where, as they're talking a little bit about, about themselves, you know, he's like, I used to be a pig farmer, you know, and I used to be a tailor because, like... I think it was because I think it was like they had family somewhere in that area. Like was it Dusseldorf? Yeah, or, or something along those lines. Something along those lines. Because the Tate. All right. So uh, from what I remember of this scene, because I was kind of zoning in and out because I was with the baby as well, trying to keep her occupied while baby mama was doing her thing with the toddler. Yeah. Um, but during this scene, it. He walks in, like you said, sees the picture, sits down at the bar where they're at the table behind him. Mm-hmm. 
but he orders to the bartender a very traditional beer of Germany. Mm-hmm. They're already they're speaking in German. Then he, like they say something, and Eric reacts in German, and they're like, "Oh, you speak German very well. Were you from Germany?" And then mm-hmm. that's where they get what they used to do. Um, and then the pig farmer, which is the fat guy, and then the tailor, which is a skinnier, older guy. Um, well, it starts with the pig farmer said, like you said, um, I used to be this, I, I lived in this area. And then, uh, the tailor speaks up. Well, I used to be a tailor from the Rockledorf or Drago blonde or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Oh really? My parents or family or mother was from there. Yeah. And And like, and then he moves over to the table with them and sets at the head of the table with fat guy, pig farmer to his left and Taylor across from him. Mm-hmm. And then they chug, blah, blah, blah. And it gets awkward. And no, they, they say that, no, Eric says something along the lines of like, you know, are they still there? And he goes, no, like they were killed. They were killed by, by a, a pig farmer. By pig farmers, and that's when he clings and Taylor, and, to. That's when he clings to drinks. Oh, and as and he's then, drinking, and then Taylor, then he clicks his drink, and then then he starts drinking, and then they realize because also as he leans, he shows his arm, so they was, see the numbers well, on they, his forearm. Yeah, he's still drinking, and he during their cheers. It he, was it was after they got done drinking. That's well, when he Eric wasn't moved. done, but they. After their shot or their gulp, no. After their tri- after they drink, he sits he down. Then he rolls his arm, showing his tat- his in, his in, uh, encampment uh, identifier. Yeah, and then I think it was the pig farm. Yeah, the pig farmer goes to reach for his knife. Knife. Eric obviously stops him, even without his abilities. Stops him. And then the bartender comes around with the gun, and Eric forces that gun over at the tailor, pulls the trigger, shoots the tailor. Not yet. Oh, no, he does. He, he stabs. Take, yeah, he takes the, you know, he disarms him, takes, stabs him, and then the bartender comes around with the gun, and he's pointing it at Eric, and, like, they're like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. At this point, the tailor is standing up, panicking. Yeah. Because as he's seeing this, like, with struggle, the gun is being pulled towards him. And, like, he's not, you know, he's like, I'm no not No finger doing on the not. trigger either. And in a close-up. Yeah, and then you see the... the trigger finally, squeeze, it goes off. And he dies. And then he takes the knife out of Pig Farmer. And looks at it and says, it's blood and honor. And he goes... Oh, no. He took it from him first, said blood and honor, and then sticks him. Right. Then everything else happens. Then he takes it out of Pig Farmer, throws it at Bartender. Well, he has, he has, he, he, he asks which one, blood or, or honor. honor. And he, he said, the Pig Farmer is like, we were under orders. And blood then, he's, then. Blood then, then bam. But. He stabs him. After stabbing, everything else happens. Yes. Takes it out of Pig Farmer, throws it. Using his for his ability at the bartender, kills the bartender, takes it back, and then puts sticks it. it back in his hand. Right, and then the pig armor asks, "What do you want?" And at this point, Eric has gotten up, gotten up, and walked over to the picture and says, 
I'm looking for my creator. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 look I'm you know, and ask and he asked him like who are you? And he's like, I'm looking my creator I you know, I'm Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite lines. And then he takes the gun and shoots. Well Jake then Barber. he sees the boat that has the the oh. name of it and it says Miami. Yeah, that's and right. then yeah, then takes the gun and then bam, shoots him in a this point they've got an intelligence on Shaw. They haven't used Cere- Cere- Cerebro. They had gotten intelligence yeah, on Shaw yeah. that he was in CIA Miami. CIA did that. Yeah, CIA did that. All right, so next scene um, dealing with that is he's in the waters, or Eric is in the water, and he's nope. infiltrating the boat. Nope. What? Before that, Colonel Hendry. Which one? Because I didn't write that down, so okay, it wasn't so important we to go, me. So once they find the intelligence and they find that he's in Miami, it's day at this point. Okay. And at this point, Colonel Hendry has come to the boat to talk to Shaw oh, about, what is it, yeah. like more money or something? Like yeah, He's trying the, to blackmail him. The blackmail money that was supposed to be given as a reward for his, for getting the missiles. Right. In Turkey. Right. Yeah, okay. So and that's then, when he's like, oh, you don't give me my money. He pull, I'm going to yeah, pull the pin on a, a grenade. Right. And so... At this point, Shaw's, you know, like, you know, everyone's, like, all cool and collected, like, yeah, okay, next, well, you know, what's going to happen? Shaw's walking up to him, and as... He's like, pull it, yeah, pull it. And he grabs it, pulls the pin, and he goes, are you crazy? And then you see Shaw's ability, like, his hands, like, multiply as he's absorbing... All the energy all, from all the, the grenade. Right. And then... Wait, didn't... Actually, for I, I was wondering about that because he was starting to kind of shake like he was being controlled by I'm, what I would assume would be Frost at that point, like not necessarily or holding him back from pulling it initially. Mm-mm. So he was more or less doing it as a bluff. Mm-hmm. Because okay. he wasn't, he's not going to blow himself up. So like as he's doing this, he sucks in the energy of the grenade, and he and then Colonel Hendry is surprised by this. He goes, "You're one of them," mm-hmm. and Shaw says something along the lines, and then so he he talks about being a mutant, how he actually developed his mutant yeah, like abilities you, after the fact. It's like you want to know what I can do? I'll show you, and then just bear like just. Taps him and then. Oh, he's like, or you thought that was impressive. Just see what I can do once I have the energy. Once I have it. Well, he doesn't say it like that, but yeah, pretty much. Like, I'll show you what I can do. And taps the general. Basically transferring the energy into him. And then you kind of just see, like, the general, like, turn and basically explode. Like, it's a white flash, then that's it. Yeah. So then we go towards. The night. The night where they're, where um, Eric is infiltrating. I believe so. And then they, and then the CIA, well, no, the CIA has made it towards them and Eric is doing, is up on the boat at the same time. And that's when that scene happens. Okay. So yeah, he infiltrates or Eric infiltrates 
kills off a few of the guards, mm-hmm. gets to Frost and um, Riptide and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Shaw stops Riptide from trying anything, and Emma, because she diamonds up. And basically, like, kicks him off this boat. After using mind control on him for nope. the first time. Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did. I remember that because oh, I, right, I yeah. thought that was the reason why he made... Because I remember there was a telepath that made him get and or form the helmet. But then we get to other things. Yeah. But... um Anyway, but yeah, she uses mind control, forcing him off the boat with mind control. No, she forces him to stop. That's from right. Stop. Using the knife that he took from the pig farmer to kill Shaw because she read his mind. And knew what he, he was, was going to do. Yeah, because he, because Shaw, because Eric comes up and says something in like a greeting, like, hello, hello, doctor. Yeah. Turn, so Shaw turns and around. You, oh, you're little... Eric Leshner. I remember that Look, phrase. Yeah. So he sees it and then um, Emma goes, he's here to kill you. So when he takes out the knife and runs up, she uses her powers to knock him down. And then mm-hmm. after they're talking, um, she lets off. He goes again and she turns into diamond and basically like just Poof. takes him r- clear off. And <laughs> what I find hilarious is just like Sebastian goes, Emma, we don't use our powers against our own kind. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, Seriously? that's right. Because now he's in the water, and Eric, right before CIA with the Coast Guard show up, right. Eric's using his powers to take the anchor to rip the ship apart, still trying to kill him. And they're running. It uh, No, he's in the water. Yeah. The Coast Guard show up. No, he was already a, he was already in the process of tearing the ship apart with the anchor, and as it breaks off, the head of the anchor breaks off. That's when, or there, he's in the process of destroying the ship. No, because Riptide then, uses his powers before that. I, don't know. I, I remember this part because I this is after she pulled the baby off, uh, <laughs> and takes baby okay. girl upstairs. But he's halfway through ripping the the top half of the yacht off when they show up because um, Charles is like, there's another one here. They're like another telepath and there's someone else other than them, i.e. the mutants that they were expecting on the ship because they saw the chain from the anchor coming through the ship and it's ripping the top half off. They show up. And um, then that's when what you're talking about with Riptide. I don't think it is. Do we have to go back? I think we do. Because he's in the water, and then that's when the Coast Guard shows up. (laughs) I'm telling you because they already went down and started to get the into the submarine and detach it from the ship. Right, no, they do go into the submarine after when they see that Eric is going is tearing the ship in half. Yes. But when the Coast Guard show up, Riptide uses his powers to throw off some boats that are coming towards them in the water. Yeah, in the same process of everything else happening. No, because that the the anchor is coming towards him and he stops. 
and they're running down to the submarine that's on in the boat. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Hold on. We're we're gonna settle this because I because well that just makes more sense because if they're running and they're inside going towards you know into the submarine. Ha. You weren't even watching this part of the movie. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. And as that, and as that's going on with Riptide, that's when that scene you said, um, where, um. Charles is using his abilities to get inside the mines and he realizes that um, there's another telepath because then, because when he's trying to get into Emma's mind like what I thought was really cool was that we see her face but it like contorts into diamonds. How do you spell yacht? uh, Y-A-C-H-T I believe. Yes. All right. For our audio listeners, we are looking at the scene. Okay, so they started to approach before Eric dis- was destroying it. Oh, yeah. See, Emma Frost just I noticed Charles. That. Yep. She's blocking him. Someone like me on that ship. Like you? Uh, I'm sorry, it's had a this is incredible. I could actually feel her inside my mind. I'm very sorry, but I don't think I'm going to be much help to you tonight. You're on your own. So Riptide's using his powers. Okay. Yeah. This was before the destruction of the yacht. Because outside of throwing Hendry, that was really the first time Riptide used his powers. Right. And then this is where... And it was just after she's trying to invade his mind, and that's where the the anchor starts coming out of the water. And Charles realized there's somebody else out there. Yeah. Because they see the anchor. Now the destruction and everything else, what I was saying, happens. So... Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so from there, they get to the submarine that's the bottom half of the yacht. Right. Escape. And Magneto's in the water already, obviously. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they get the rest of the CIA and Coast Guard get closer to the yacht. Mm-hmm. And... Magneto sees the lights from the submarine, goes to use his powers to try to hold it back, but it drags him along. Mm-hmm. Charles is trying to tell him to let go, let go, let go, jumps in the water, attaches himself by mm-hmm. grabbing on to Eric underwater now. It's like, let go. It's not worth it. You're going to drown. Mm-hmm. Mentally, using the telepathic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he used his telepathic abilities to calm him, to let 
to basically force him off yeah. of the sub. Then they go up. He's like, who the hell are you? How, do, how did you, you do that? You were inside my head. Yeah. It's like, um, I'm like you, calm your mind. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then that's when they officially meet. Yeah, for the first time in 1962. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward back to everybody's at the facility now. Mm-hmm. They start to use Cerebro, mm-hmm. and or they get introduced, like actually see the inside, and that's when Charles steps in. And I, if I remember correctly, Eric is snarky remarks, and he's like, hey, let me have this. Yeah. So they start locating certain um, mutants. First one being a new mutant that that I if I that I can't remember being a part of the cartoon universe or the comic books very often. But it is a fairy-like winged female who is a stripper angel, and she goes by the name Angel, which is her stage name as a stripper. Yeah. Um, she was originally they went to the strip club. It's like, hey, we want a private dance. They get into the room, they're both sitting on the bed. She's like, It'll be double for the two of you or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like I charge double for both and they're like, Well like this is how it goes. We'll show you ours if you show us yours. And then Magneto picks up the champagne bucket. And that's when she becomes interested. Yeah. And then that's when she shows her wings, which are up to this point, just tattoos on her back. Yeah. So she ferries up and her little fairy wings and kind of levitates surprisingly in the open. What seems like, because it is a very see-through glass wall. I think it's a, I think it's like a two way mirror, like a one way mirror. You're like where you yeah, can see but them, the way but no was, one can but see But the way them. it was presented, of course, just yeah. at first sight, there you're outside when she first takes off, looking in to, yeah. this, to the room. So, but either way, that's the one of the first ones. Then they pick up Alex yep. Summers, who is in this version the older brother to Scott Summers, mm-hmm. i.e., Cyclops. So similar powers, except. Alex can shoot it out of his torso. Yeah, like without his uniform, which we'll get into when yeah, it which comes in. Helps part of his how his abilities come out. His instead of out of his eyes, it's out of his body, and it's like a like a ring, like a a disc, a disc. Yeah. So it, it so similar to Cyclops's red energy beams that shoot out of his eyes uncontrollably. Alex can control the he excretions can, of it. Well, he, yeah, he can control it to where it coming out when it can come out when it yeah. can't come out. He can control that. Yeah. But at this time, he can't direct it. He has no force power to it. Yeah, it's basically like out of random control. once he lets it out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then after that. There is a few other ones. And the cameo with um, Hugh Jackman as Logan. Ah, yes. Uh, The uh, first time that 
uh, Hugh Jackman only is in for half a scene. Yeah, but it was still. It Walk was up so into crazy. some weird bar and it's, he's like, "We <laughs> need your help." No, they're like, "Hello, I'm Charles Xavier. I'm Eric Lyncher," and then he just goes, "Fuck off." Yeah, he's like, "Fuck off," and they're like, "Okay, uh, all, right. all right." And here we go. <laughs> um, then they pick up. Let's see who was next. Was it? I think it's Darwin. Yeah. The it taxi was, driver, Darwin? Yeah, it was Darwin next, then it, Banshee. Yeah, because when they get into the cab, you know, where do you guys want to go? Virginia, Langley, Virginia. And they're like, that's a long ways away. You want to so, go to the airport or whatever, and they're like, no, we want you to take us the whole way. And then so Eric, like... Flicks his meter. Flicks the meter. Flag. And in. say, we have, like, a lot to talk about. And then Banshee at a aquarium trying to impress a girl... Yeah, Which with fish, work. and she's like, I'd rather date the fish or go out with the fish. She starts to walk away, and he does his echo. He does the scream, in the, and the and sends all the fish scurrying away. And he's like, oh, these, what fish? Like, these fish? And there's and, nothing there now. And she turns around, and she's just like, ugh, and then walks away. And then that's when you see the shadow in the glass of Eric and Charles. Yep. And then there was one other one they picked up, wasn't it? Mm-mm. So, hold on. So, you got... Oh, that's right, because when they get back to the facility, it's Hank, uh, Raven, and then Alex, Banshee... And then Darwin. Uh, Angel, and then Darwin. Uh, yeah. So, there was, was six that they got. Yeah. They have. So, then they get... They, they get we're, I'm probably skipping. Let's see. Doop, doop, doop. Nope, they meet. Meet Hank. All right. Then we get to the facility, and they do the naming of everything. Yeah. All right. So uh, at this point, they are... Hank is just Hank. He's still bozo to Alex, because Alex is a bully pretty much at this point. Yeah. Um, And that's when it gets kind of funny and snarky, because... Raven sticks up for Beast and it's like, well, you know what they say about men with big feet and your feet look a little small. That was great. Um, Then it starts with Angel. She says, well, my... Or no, it starts with Raven. She's like, well, we should have code names. I want to be Mystique. And then Banshee goes, oh, I want to be Mystique. And then she transforms into him. And says, I'm more mysterious mysterious than you. And then Angel goes, well, Angel's already my stage name. So she takes... So she, she goes over, takes her, her wings out. He, ta- he takes her jacket off and takes her wings out. And then... They're like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, Darwin's next. Which he sticks his head in, in a, the aquarium. In the little, yeah, little aquarium to see... And he, he's like, gills. for survival... He gets the gills. What? It just went into my like right ear. Like this entire time, it felt like it was like not in my right ear, and then it just went into my right ear. So it like threw me off. Oh my god! Whoa. Okay. Anyway, so, so yeah, Darwin is the Darwin effect, survival of the fittest. So he chain or his body can manipulate for survival purposes. Sticks his head in where he can't breathe and he developed or immediately uh acquires 
gills. Um, then they get Banshee. Uh, he's like, well, I want to be Banshee. And Hank's like, why do you want to be named after a wailing spirit? To which he crouches in front of the table. And says, you might want to cover your ears. And he's facing towards like this, the glass window. But it's alluding to he was going to do his little echo thing at the drink glasses that were on the table. And then he kind of spits up and blows out the entire window. I think he did that on purpose. Honestly. That's what I'm thinking too. Uh, yeah. Like he was going to just pretend to do it towards the thing and just, cause you could see him like look up as he, right before he does it. Yeah. Um, and then finally Alex Summers, they're yeah. like, all right, I'm not doing it in here. Well, can you do it out there since the window was already gone? Yeah. Okay. But you need to stay back. And so they're like all peeking their heads out, and he's oh, like, it's "So Get fucking back. funny!" <laughs> they scoot back behind the the wall, the concrete wall, and then stick their head immediately back out. And he's like, "I said, get back!" Oh, and fuck it's, it! It's like whatever. And, and then he does it and like slices the statue in like what, like three, four pieces. Oh yeah, but I did forget um, during Angel's little demonstration. No, oh, she her her um spit. Yeah, her spitfire, I guess whatever you want to call it. Acid. Acid. Yeah. yeah, like a pixie acid type thing. Yeah. So that she actually displayed after um after uh Banshee because she did it out and it landed on top of oh, the, the statue's, statue's head. head. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it was the conversation between uh Raven, Beast, and um Alex, mm-hmm. Darwin showed his off, Banshee, then uh, Angel. Angel, then Alex. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. Blah, blah. And they're yeah. like, and then, of course, the adults come around and spoil all the fun. Well, as this is going on, Eric and uh, Charles and Moira are actually in Russia. Um, where they find Emma with the general, Russian general. Oh, yeah, that was right. Yeah, because then that was the scene that we were talking about when we were off. So Emma's in in a love shack situation um, and projects herself to be making out slash getting it on with this Russian dignitary general militant. Um, to help push start World War Three during the Cold War era, right? And so when they, you know, uh, Eric is, you know, impatient and doesn't want to wait, you know, doesn't want to, you know, go back and blah blah blah. So he's running through everything and he's moving all the metal. He's just uh, uh, what's the word? Tearing apart all the guns into pieces. Leading up to the room. And Charles is behind because there are some guys wrapped up in barbed wire. And he's like, you know, calm your mind, calm your mind. And puts them to go sleep, to sleep. And as they run into the room, they're seeing this general's, like, hands moving in the air like he's having the time of his life. And Emma's just sitting there on the couch like... Da-da-da. <sighs> eating a wafer cracker. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, shit. So when the illusion ends, the general is like, what is going on? And he's like about to reach for a gun. And 
This is when you see the cool part, because this is the first time he actually uses it to knock someone out. Yeah, because then he's like, go to sleep, and he's just like, out. Yeah, because gun's drawn, by the way. Yeah. He's like, clunk. Yeah, and so Emma stands up and... Turns to diamonds. Turns to diamonds. He goes, you know, your ability won't work on me. While I'm like this. Yeah. And that's when Eric controls the bed frame, which is obviously all metal. Yeah. Wraps her up, pins her down, and then starts getting extra pieces around her neck. Yep. And starts tightening them until it cracks. Like, you're seeing some, like, some deep cracks. Yeah. Um, like the these aren't just that. surface things that like chip away. This is like deep. And to add context to this, she is in her diamond form. So diamond is very, very fucking strong. Yeah. And it takes a lot of pressure to crack diamond. Yeah. And so that just goes to show his ability at this point to control what would be a very flimsical metal of the bed frame because it's thin sheets of aluminum metal yeah, or some type. Well, it probably wasn't aluminum back in the city. It was probably actual steel sheets yeah, uh, formed in tubes. Like they were still hollow tubes of metal, but he is controlling it so much that it's cracking her neck, which would be what anywhere between 13 to 14 inches of diamond. Pretty much. Yeah. And then of course, He's about to suffocate her completely, i.e. break her neck, and he finally lets go, and as he does, she turns back to her human form, mm-hmm. and he's like, there you go, she's yours. If she turns back, all, all you gotta do is flick her, basically, yeah. to break her neck, because... Or just I'm, like a tap on the head or something like that, but yeah. I, I think he said more like just flicker or thumper or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, referencing that those cracks are now permanent in her neck when she goes back to diamond they don't just disappear or, re- or regenerate i don't know we don't really... well i'm saying it was the el- alluding to that oh. with his with his comment about if she changes back just thump her basically and she'll die oh hmm. yeah okay so he gets in her mind sees where their what their plan is and what Shaw's endgame is, and Charles realizes that this situation is a hell of a lot worse than what they think. Yeah, so this is alluding to, I believe, what is actually a historic event of a Russian freighter crossing the imaginary ocean line between the U.S. and Russia. The embargo line. Yeah, i.e. the imaginary line between the two. Yeah. Um... So, fast forward, probably, what, 15-ish minutes, they get to the ocean scene where American naval fleet versus the Russian naval fleet. What big thing am I missing? <laughs> when they come, you're missing the big part where... Oh, the fight. Where, yeah, when Shaw goes to the facility, finds out where it is. Fuck. Goes to the facility. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> It's yours. I'm done. <laughs> I gotta pee. Okay. Have at it. Okay. Can you get out? Oh my god, you crawled. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> All right. So as we as you know, they find out what Shaw's end game plan is. They go to um they go back to the they're on their way back to the facility. And at this point, as they're on their way back, Shaw has already made it to the facility with Azazel and Riptide. So Shaw walks into the facility, you know, and the guards all come running out and you see, you know, their guns pointed and he's just like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. So as they're firing at him, he's absorbing all of the gunshots. He's he's taking every hit. You see his body like form into two at some like well not his body but his head form into two. His you know the general reactions of when he absorbs energy. And so he lets out this huge giant blast that just wipes out everyone, just like everyone. And as the kids are hearing this, you know, they want to help. They want to, you know, they run out of their room. It's like they want to they help, but the, the guys are like, no, get back, get back. And as this is going on, Azazel is taking the guards one by one, teleporting them into the air, and then dropping them. One by one. Just picking them up, drop them, picking them up, drop them. It's very, whew. Lord have mercy. And so, let's see. As this is going on, they're going. They're back in the room. They are terrified, and Shaw makes his entrance to the kids. <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've seen all night. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> You said Shaw room something. Oh, okay. So Shaw makes it to the... He gets to the room with the kids and tries to convince them to go on um, their side. On his side. And they're all like, no. You know, he makes a very compelling speech of, you know, no more hiding. You know, be treated as kings and queens. And Angel is convinced because of her, you know, as a stripper, you don't get that. So she ends up going with him. With Shaw. With Shaw. Sorry. She ends up going with Shaw. And Darwin starts to make a plan, basically like um, nudging Alex, like, dude, dude, dude. Like, we're doing this. And Alex is like, no, no, no. So, but, like, they 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 do a silent um, conversation. Understanding. With each, yeah. yeah, a silent conversation with each other. And they, and Darlin, Darwin goes, hey, wait up. I'm going, I'm going with you. I'm coming with, peeps. I'm coming with. Yeah. And, you know, Shaw asks, what's... You know, what's your ability? What's your power? And Darwin says, well, I adapt to survive. And as they're about to leave, Darwin yells out Alex's name. And Alex tells, yells back for everyone to get down. And as he, and uses his, as he uses his ability. He armors up and covers Angel. Right. But what they don't know is that is Shaw's ability. 
that's what they don't know. And then Alex is shocked by this because he's never seen anyone or anything stop his powers. And as he's watching this, you know, Darwin turns back around and is also in shock, thinking mm-hmm. that nothing could stop Alex's mutation. Like, yeah, could stop it. And Shaw walks up to him and says, I, like, applaud you for protecting your fellow mutant. Now adapt to this. And uses just a small, like, in between his fingers, just a small amount of Alex's ability. Mm-hmm. And literally shoves it down Darwin's throat. And we watch, literally, Darwin's body, like... I want to say, like... Mutate. Well, change like, into different aspects. Because it started out going into a rock-ish. And then it turned, like, silver. Oh, yeah. No, it started silver, silver. turned into rock, and then right before he imploded slash exploded, um, he turned normal-ish again. Reached out for reached out yeah. to Alex, and then literally, like, disintegrated. <laughs> Like Thanos snap disintegrated. Yeah. Just ash. And then, yeah. To which then the guys come back. Eric and Charles come back. They find out what happened. And Charles is like, well, we're sending you all back home. This is too dangerous. You didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, You need to go back home. And they're like, no, we're not going home. This is our fight now. Like, you know. We're not going back home, and Alex isn't going back to prison, because this that is where he was. they found Alex was in prison in solitary confinement, which he wanted, mind you, because of his abilities. Yeah, and the, the jailers were like, or the guards were like, what, what does the CIA want with him? He's one. You're muted, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they can hear me through you, I guess. A little bit. Just a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, I don't even yeah, you're kind of like muted a little bit. Okay, so there we go. Um, they were when they picked him up initially. It, they were like, "Well, what do you want with him? What does the CIA want with a criminal? He's wanted solitary." Yeah. So you know, like never knew a guy that wanted solitary. Yeah. So as you know, anyway, continue. I'm gonna. You're fine. Mute myself again. <laughs> so. As they're saying they don't want to go, Eric is like, you can, you know, stay and fight. Charles is against it at first because he, you know, they're just children, blah, blah, blah. doesn't, you know, they shouldn't be part of this fight. And Eric convinces otherwise. And so they basically end up at Charles's house to where they train their abilities and so we see the process of them going through that i.e um target practice for alex which at first does not bode well at all because he just wrecks havoc everywhere well i mean that is his name is havoc but um no so he put charles puts him in an old bomb shelter tunnel piece like the survival bunker yeah to practice and when the red light comes on for hey it's time to come out he looks opens the door and the seams of this bunker (laughs) like the seams between the concrete 
are all on fire. Yeah, like everything but the dummy. At the end, there was a dummy at the end. That he was supposed to aim for. Everything. Everything but that dummy was on fire. Yeah, it was. that was hilarious. I loved that. So, because he's like slightly panicking, and just like I will help you develop this, like I will help you control this, Alex, and blah blah blah. Uh, then I think at some point, I think he went to Banshee. Hank first, I think. No, because he hasn't. Oh, that's right. It was Banshee's first attempt at flying. At fly or no? Because Banshee he... in the window. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well, let's see what else you can do with it." Yeah. And then Banshee trying to fly. Wearing a windsuit out of the second or yeah second story over some bushes, yeah, which fail. It's a very hilarious. Yeah, like like you tell tells him to yell out, and all you hear is like a squawk. Yeah, and he just lands in the bushes. It's hilarious. Then Beast Hank is next with a run, right? But he wears shoes, so he's. So Charles he, beats him. So, well, no. Yeah, Charles yeah. beats him first. Yeah. Then it goes back to um, Havoc or Alex with the modification suit or the disc. Yeah. And they put three dummies. Aim for the center one, Charles says. No, the one. Yeah, the one in the center. Aim for the one in the center. Charles is on the other one. Charles is standing. No, no, that's that's the second part. That when they're standing in there, that's the second, the last time. But at first, when he gets the disc from Hank to wear on his uh, chest to help force or focus. focus, thank you, the beam. He's like three mannequins. Aim for the center one. Yeah, and they step out. He hits it. He's like a kid with his first erection running like all over the place, peeing. And he hits everything but the center one. Yeah. Then they go back to Banshee on his second attempt, which is from a different window, I believe. Uh, I think it's actually... The satellite? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, it was a satellite because yeah. that one was a success. Yeah, because he's freaking out and he doesn't They're want to do it. They're on top of this huge fucking industrial satellite yeah. dish. It's um, Charles, Hank, and Eric up there with Banshee. And he's like, I don't, I trust you. You shut up talking to Hank. Yeah. And then Eric's like, you know what? Screw this. And just pushes him off. And that's when, out of sheer panic, he actually floats away. Yeah, that he that his abilities actually kick in, and yeah. he's flying. All right, then they go back to Hank and Charles running. He's like, you need to embrace your mutation, blah, blah, blah. He takes off his shoes and socks, kind of wiggles out his toes, and yeah. then they start to run. Hank starts to take off, runs around the whole mansion, and comes back up before he gets another 100 meters. And then we get to a scene between Eric and Raven with Raven lifting weights um, as her human human form. Mm-hmm. And Eric comes in because Hank was over at the window 
So she was a little distracted, but starts to lift again. And as he, she's lifting, he... Eric lifts, lifts it, it higher out of her hands. Yep. Talking about how if she spent as half as much time on her... Appearance. Ab- like, it, concentrating on her... Her abilities instead of her appearance as a human, she would be stronger. And so... He lets it go, and she reverts back, and she automatically it. turns into her natural self to hold to stop the bar from falling on her face. Right, and then that's when she starts to have a real kind of female hard on towards Eric, <laughs> which is probably about five to ten years, or not five to six years older than her. Yeah, which isn't bad. Yeah, because she's in her late teens at this point. Yeah, early twenties. Well, yeah, early twenties, because like her aging is like different from normal. Four times slower from what Hank, or something, two to four times slower than everybody else. Yeah, because while this is going on, like they have like a little private picnic, and like they're you know, like he's asking her for her blood to work on a cure. Yeah, like for appearance, not like a cure, cure, but just a cure for appearance wise. Because he was trying to make his feet look normal again. Yeah. And he thinks he... Because later on, after all these little love triangle stuffs, um, Hank is under a microscope looking at her cells. He's like, oh my god, you're fantastic. You're perfect. Blah, blah, blah. She sits on his lap, flirting. Yeah. Later on, because at this point, when they're doing this, she wants her appearance to change to her human yeah. self. So this is what they both want at this point, until Eric yeah. comes into the picture and starts influencing her. Right, which I love. But she's still at this. But also by this point, she's starting to have Eric's thought process mm-hmm. as far as being who she is mm-hmm. but still is infatuated with Hank mm-hmm. and like her little love interest is Hank McCoy or Beast mm-hmm. and yeah so this continues on then they have their date night kind of thing mm-hmm. between Hank and Raven that's where Hank presents the cure, offering it to her, but she's like, why? No. Well, no, no. Because she... No, Alex is part. Because I came I, I, I came in Oh, the when third part of Alex, is, when he succeeds in knocking down the center one because um, Charles and Hank are standing in there. Of course, Charles doesn't flutter or get nervous. He's like, I trust you. Hank's like, uh, like, what? He, he, like, closes his eyes and, like, He's looks like, away oh, like, fuck. oh, God. <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. And then he actually hits the center one and it's like, see, I knew you could do it. And then it goes to those um, scenes because I came. Yeah, the scene with Hank seeing the uh, DNA and talking about it. No, 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 no. No? No, no. Um, after that, it the uh, Eric, between... Uh, between anger and serenity, that scene with the- yes, the satellite. Yeah, because I missed that part. Okay, so yeah, so the satellite where 
Charles is trying to help Eric control his abilities and intensify at greater distances, right. uh, controlling metals. So the satellite looks like it's about a mile-ish away from them. Yeah. They're standing on the balcony-type piece or the back porch or whatever. It's yeah, about 50 meters off from where they're at from the back of the actual mansion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do that. Move that towards us. Like, face it towards us. And he tries. He can't get it. They have a dialogue about anger being his only way to control it to that intensity. Mm-hmm. He's like... That's when he, when Charles says the line, it's like, somewhere between anger and serenity. And then he's like, you know, he's... He's he, asking for permission to access his mind. Which he does. And brings up a memory uh, that Eric thought he had lost, which was a happy memory of them lighting the candles on the... Menorah. Menorah. And he starts to kind of get emotional, but as Charles releases from his mind, he you see Charles wipe a tear because it actually is like, see, I knew you were good inside. Well, he feels what Eric feels. Yeah, because when, when Charles accesses the mind, he always feels whatever he's seeing. Right. Like, of that moment. Right. And then, of course, Magneto focuses, and he turns it. Right. And then fast forward to the date scene. Yes. Well, not technically a date scene. He, he kind of just goes But they're one-on-one on one together. Yeah. And he Hank presents the quote-unquote cure in two vials. Yeah. She's like, after her interaction with Eric, she's kind of changing her mind about wanting to change her appearance. And that's when Hank does the wrong fucking oh, thing. God. Because she's in her natural state, which is blue with the red hair. No. No, no, no. She's she's looking like her human form. At this point? And at this point, when they're talking, she's talking to him at, in her human form. And then she goes, you know, we're, you're perfect the way you are, mutant and proud. And then she changes to her natural form. And then that's when he makes the mistake of saying... You, um, you were prettier. Yeah, you were beautiful before. Before, and then like it, it shocks her to where she changes back to her human form, and she goes, "See, you're you're beautiful now." Yeah, and it's like, dude, and that was the turning point for for Raven to be Mystique, right? And in this timeline, and to turning point of. Staying with Eric, being with yeah. Eric, like ha- her love interest now uh, moving in Eric's direction because he appreciates her. Now it's not intense, but it's more of a instant. Hey, I need to fill this void that I had for Hank. Hank walks off or goes away, and and his idiocies and kind of. Pissiness, I want to say, is what it seemed, what I felt, the vibe I felt from him during the next scene of him, where he injects his foot Mm -hmm. with a small portion of this file that was made from Mystique's blood. Mm -hmm. So initially it turns to a regular human foot, Mm -hmm. but because it was Mystique who is blue by nature and Hank. The only 
visible mutation was his feet at mm-hmm. that point. And then it reverses or reverts and further mutates him into the hairy beast that we know. Yeah. But because it was Mystique's DNA and blood, he is blue. So this is kind of an origin story of Beast and his blue form versus just an ape-like form. Pretty much. And so so then it goes to uh, Charles. I thought it was Charles and Eric playing chess. That's right. It was because they were talking, chit-chatting, and it got negative towards them again because Eric wanted to kill and destroy to protect and Charles could have modified his answer but he got his little snarky I'm better than you attitude yeah and pushed Eric away even further yeah stating also stating to Eric that you know killing will not you know revenge will not give you peace and Eric's like I'm not I'm not Go- so sure about that. I'm like that. I'm not going for peace. You know, like I'm that's not I'm going I'm, for revenge. Yeah, like that's not what I'm going for. Peace is not on the not on the to-do list here. Yeah. And so scene after Eric is walk or left Charles. Yep. Went back to his room yep. which is met by Raven in human form yep. under the sheets. Yep. Presumably naked. naked. Yep trying to seduce Eric. And he's like, what are you doing? This is not what I want. If, no, like if, it's late. Go maybe in a few years. Yeah. So it's what she transforms into a older version of Raven, which is actually the original Raven from so, the first three movies. Yeah. So she initially was turning into the older version, which is uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Yep who is the older version of, or the original Mystique. And then he's, then Eric's like, no, I want the real you. So she transforms back into her human form. Yep. Jennifer Lawrence. He's like, no, like I said, I want the real you. And then she turns to her natural state of blue. And then she's kind of like emotional and asks for her robe. Well, first he says, after she changes. Oh, perfection. Perfection. Then she gets emotional. Yep. Asks for her robe, and he's like, why? Why do you need to hide? If you, what is it? If you saw a tiger, would you cover it up? Oh, yeah. Along those lines. Something along those lines. A tiger with its stripes, would you cover Cover up up it? Yeah, and then. She steps up. No, and then. They kiss. They kiss. Next scene is Mystique or Raven in her her normal form, I guess. Yeah. With Charles. Charles, she starts talking as she walked up on him. Looking in the fridge. Yeah. He turns around, sees her. He's like, oh, God, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, she's showing nip, vag, everything, which we all know she doesn't have. In her natural state. Right. And she's like, where, 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 where are your clothes? Put, 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 put your clothes on. Put some clothes on. Then it's like, well, that's not what the, not what you said the first time you met me. Yeah. And then, like, they, they kind of get into 
a whole dialogue. Yeah, a whole dialogue. You know, like Hank says there's, you know, he's found a cure for your cosmetic problem. And I'm like, that's not a cosmetic problem. It's not a problem in general. Yeah. So, and then they go on and Raven's like, oh, I completely forgot what she said. Well, I don't remember the exact dialogue, but it's yeah. basically along the lines, well, fuck you. I'm going to be this way because. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I don't remember. I, uh, she says, like, there was some there's some dialogue. But then what I remember most is that, you know, I always thought it was going to be you and me against the world, but you don't want to be against it. You just want to be a part of it. Yes. And then she gets up and walks off and he's basically like, calling him out for his backwards ass bullshit that he's been feeding everybody yeah pretty he much. wants acceptance not freedom yeah for mutants basically yeah so to which then like she stormed she leaves and he's like all confused and it's going like dude yeah because the dialogue with eric eric was talking about that um they were the better cataloging way. or or what was it? Uh, something along the lines of like categorizing is where it starts, referring to him being. Um, oh, that they, 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 the they, they will fear them, and that the fear that the humans, the humans will fear them, and then the fear will turn to hatred, and they will never be accepted. And then Charles is like, "We have it in us to be the better men," and Eric's like, "We already are the better men. Like we are yeah. the next step of." evolution yeah basically referring to charles's own thesis for his his doctorate his professor status kind of hypocritical when you think about it oh it is i mean honestly the way uh uh mcavoy portrayed xavier in this light was what would be considered the proper young xavier being snarky being egotistical um and hypocritical towards the whole idea of mutants hence why after which we'll get to in the last scene yeah. uh, how he ended up in the wheelchair is when his mindset changed mm -hmm. so um after all that then that's when they uh make the plan for they get everybody trained up they get the suits well, they go to Hank's lab and see it totally Trash. trashed. I mean, like, everything broken. And then that's where they see the suits, which you don't know what it is initially. It's just a box with an X on it. Like, go get the box with the X on it. And meet me at the airbase. Yeah, and that's when they get the suits on. Uh, they're flight suits that help for zero or negative Gs yeah, or G-force G against their body. They get there, then Hank walks out of the sunlight, so it's kind of blinding. Yep. Um, and then Alex, was, or no, let me rephrase it. He no. walks up to Mystique first. Yeah, and he goes, it it didn't attack, it didn't It didn't attack, attack the, the genes, it, it enhanced them. Right. Then Mystique. Mystique is going... You're beautiful. Yeah, you're beautiful. This is who you were meant to be. And then Eric goes, never look better, man. You know, slaps him on the arm, like, you know, never look better. Good job. You know, and then Beast just, like, goes straight for the throw and just, like, don't mock me. 
Yeah, and then of course Charles gets him to let go, and he's like, "I actually wasn't." Yeah, and then Alex goes, "Well, I got a new name for you, Beast." Yeah. Oh, talking about the names, we forgot one part. Hmm. Raven actually gave Eric and Charles their names. Oh, that's right. She's like, "You're Professor X, and, and you're Magneto." Magneto. Yeah. So Raven named the named Eric Magneto. Yeah. I thought that was which actually falls in line with the lore and the uh, comics. Yeah, which explains where they go. So, yeah. But yeah so it was that was that was dumb. cool. I forgot about that one. But I did forget that in some of the lore, uh, the Summers were the ones that actually named Hank Beast. I think so. Because I think a. One of the ways I, I heard it was Scott actually naming him. Like, young Scott was the one that originally named him. But either way, so... I think so, yeah. So they get in the, uh, the Blackbird and start their flight towards the ocean where the, sh- the naval part is coming up. Right, where the imaginary line is drawn for the single... Like cargo, cut. Sh- yeah, it was a Russian cargo ship. Yeah. Um, the Russian side on the north side of the embargo line, which they're both the naval fleets are splitting the line. We'll say Russia from the north, America from the south. I believe and so. And the yeah. ship, the cargo ship, is going from west to east. Yeah. So from the Russian side to the American side of the embargo line. Mm-hmm. Um, tensions are rising because no one can get in touch with this sh- this cargo ship, but it's still moving at a very fast pace. Mm-hmm. And it's an onset of the World War Three. Yeah, the start of... World War Three, instead of just it being the Cold War that it is. Mm-hmm. And Bird shows up. Charles uses his power, or they kind of stop doing anything but they're preparing for a red alert yeah both ships at this point have red alerted they're getting their flotation devices on combat helmets and then the blackbird flies in kind of halts their progress at firing at each other Mm -hmm. because the americans are going to blow up the ship if it crosses the line and, of course, Russia is getting ready to retaliate on the American fleet. Ship comes in, or Bird comes in. Charles looks down at the ship. Everybody's dead, except for Azazel being on board. Yeah, he uses his mind control to, on one of the crew members. Recently dead. N- not dead yet. Like, he's, like, barely left alive. Because I'm, th- I'm pretty sure he, like, they have to be alive. You think? Yeah, because when because you got to remember though, even after you die, your brain still is alive for a few minutes. Like your body pieces are still alive, even though the connection's severed. No, I think he was still alive because like he he his head was like turned up more, and like we see the look move towards Azazel. and I think that's what Azazel saw, and, and he then stomped, stomped it out. Yeah, so we stomped on his head and that's when he realizes the entire crew is dead and Azazel well Shaw's 
been yeah. there. Yeah. And at this point, um, Charles then infiltrates the mind of one of the, I guess, the second mate on the Russian ship and goes and pushes the launch button on one of the rockets that is directed at the cargo ship. Yeah, because the Russians had gotten orders to... Allow it to happen. No, to, to, no, to have the ship turn around. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've, they've so attempted. So they're at the, the last second. So they've attempted to tell the Americans, you know, we've told the ship to turn around. They're not turning around. Don't fire. Yeah. The American captain's like, no, it's a ruse. Commence as yeah. soon as the ship is just about there. When Charles... Does the thing to the second mate. Second mate sends off the rocket blowing up the cargo ship. And then um, the Americans cease and desist for the moment, but are still in alert. Yep. The Russian captain looks at his second mate and says, congratulations, you have effectively stopped nuclear, nuclear war. war. And, he's and like, then gets carted off to the brig. Because he's like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. I, I thought that was funny. Yeah. It, it was It was <laughs> even more funny because of the snarky sarcasm that they used in that. Yeah, because before that second mate was like, "Let's fire on them. Let's yeah, fire like, on them." Like, why are you waiting for more orders, comrade? Like, you know, why we have our orders? Let's get this thing done. He's like, "I've already fought in one war. I don't want to do another one." Like, I'm tired, dude. No. Yeah, this is an old <laughs> captain bet of naval warfare in World War Two. Yeah, so it's just like I don't want to do this. Yeah, like I don't want to do this anymore. Like I've done it once. Like we're good. So after that happens, on the sh- on the submarine, we go to the submarine where Shaw is sitting in his little, like, throne, Riptide's on one end, mm-hmm. Angel's on the other, and Azazel is on the communication, and Azazel goes, you know, the they're saying Comrade lost his mind, and which Shaw recognizes as Charles... Because he says that telepath is very powerful, is more powerful than I thought, or something along those lines. So then they, so he goes, we're going to plan B, to where plan B is him absorbing all of the nuclear energy. Yeah, nuclear reactor energy in the submarine. So he goes into a special room that what we can only assume is diamond plated even though it looks mirrored there's something along those lines but it's a protection from uh telepaths yeah and then um they can't find it because it's underwater it's in the area so they use banshee to do echolocation and find it so they drop him in the water he finds it of course charles is reading his mind mm-hmm. um then they try to locate it from that image in Charles's mind. Then drop landing gear, start to pull it up out of the water with Magneto. Where he's having difficulty at first. And then, but then Charles is like, remember between anger, raid, anger, anger and, and serenity. serenity. And he's able, and we see literally the back end of the submarine being lifted up out of mm-hmm. the water and everyone's like the Russians and the Americans are watching. Riptide gets on the outer ed- or outer 
uh, bow of the ship or the sub sends a water spout at the bird, spinning everything. Yeah, it spins the air, whatever. It turns basically into a a water spout hurricane. Yeah. Throws the um, sub on land. Yep. Bird loses a wing. It goes down on the same island or what we can assume is an island. I think that's... Yeah, because it's ordered by what? what, By Puerto Rico? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so... That's when they kind of they're upside down because the passenger portion of the plane is separated from the rest of it on the landing crash landing. Yep. Um, they get everybody off, and Charles is like, "Need to find Shaw. Need to find Shaw. I can't see it somewhere in the middle." So Eric says, "I'm going to go after him." So Raven wanted to go, but he's like, "No, we're not doing this." Blah blah blah. Stay here. Yeah, you're. You know, whatever comes through, you be the one to stop him. Like, you're, you know, you don't let anybody through because, you know, Charles is going to be busy. So, Beast, Havoc, Magneto fight through because... Whirlwind showed up. No, no, no. Uh, no. Havoc uses his blast on Riptide, bounces him back onto the submarine. Yeah. And as Azazel uh, teleports, Beast attacks, they're fighting, and, and as they're about to teleport away... Those three are fighting because yeah. Riptide comes back, then that's when Magneto pulls the bow or the underbelly of the, sh- of the sub off and flattens him. Yeah. And, and gets on the sub. And Azazel ha- is fighting with Beast, wraps his tail around... Alex's neck teleports them onto the ship. No, above. Above in, the ship. They're falling, and then that's when he's like, "Oh, if you're gonna leave, you're cut." Or because well, he let go of Alex's neck with his tail and just falling. He's like, and that's when Beast grabs him and then mm-hmm. sinks his claws into Azazel and is like, "Oh no, if we're going, you're coming with us." <laughs> so where they they fall? Where he teleports them? No, he teleports them again, but. On the ship. Yeah, closer to the ship. And so they're fighting, and Alex is using his abilities, but again, with his tail or something, knocks Alex around. He's firing at everything, blah, blah, blah. Eric makes it onto the ship, and he's looking around and can't find him. Yeah. But overall, they get to him, um, they destroy him. With, um... Because at first, at the first fight, when Eric's on there fighting him, he takes the helmet off of him. Well, they're, as they're talking, like, Eric goes into the room where Charles can't get to. Yeah, and so that's he's when in the Charles room. is like, oh, wait, now I can't see Eric. Yeah, he's He's panicking. in the void. And so, you know, Sebastian taps him. Shaw taps Eric, sends him flying backwards, and there's a crack in the mirrors. And he goes, Eric, whatever you're doing, it's working. I can, I, you know, I can hear you. I can, you know, it's what it, keep doing it. So he does it again, and there's this giant other crack. Mm-hmm. And as Sebastian's talking to his monologue, blah, 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 and basically just about how, why are you doing this? You know, mutants are better. You know, you have so much more potential. And as he's walking towards Eric, Eric, 
like it looks like he's panicking. Mm-hmm. So he uses his ability to just rain down all this metal and he's taking the hits because he's absorbing it all. And once he's close up and has like looks like he's got Eric pinned back with a beam when in reality that's where Alex er, er not Alex Eric wanted him. Mm-hmm. He uses metal well wires, metal wiring. And at the last second, because he's like, I do agree with you. You know, I do. You know, I believe in everything you say. Yeah. To then which he uses the wire to grab the metal. And throw off the helmet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know. And Shaw has just enough time to turn around and reach for the helmet to where Eric yells out. Now, Charles and... Charles is frozen. And it's like taking everything he has to keep him frozen. To which then Eric puts on the helmet and says, Sorry, Charles, but like this is gonna happen regardless you want it to or not. So when as he's he t- Eric does his own monologue and be like, I want you to know everything you said I believe in. Everything that you said is true. Talking to Charles. Talking to Sebastian. Ah, okay. Talking to Shaw. That's oh, that's right because he got, according to the timeline that we're currently in, yeah. that's where Magneto, like, solidified his anti-human yeah. mindset was because of Sebastian Shaw. Right, pretty much. And so as he's talking to him, he goes, "We're gonna play a game. I'm gonna count to three, and I'm gonna move this coin." Uh, he did it for as a plaw back to Shaw from what he did to him as a child. Exactly. So as he's doing this, he moves, you know, he counts down and Charles all the while is controlling him and feels everything that Shaw is feeling. Mm -hmm. And as he counts down to three, he moves the coin and we're watching this. And as we see it go through Shaw's head, like literally the middle of his skull, forehead Mm -hmm. Charles is screaming in literal pain like because this is this is an energy that Shaw can absorb so this is actually hurting him I think it's because he's controlling his mind so he feels no I was saying it's hurting Shaw because Shaw doesn't one can't absorb this in this because it's not energy it's just a punctuation of his skull there's no energy displacement for Shaw to absorb. Huh. That's why it's actually hurting him. No, not hurting Shaw. No, it, it's still hurting Shaw, but Charles is feeling it because he's basically a mirror of his emotions at this point. Hmm. But because of Charles freezing him, he can't display it. Hmm. I never thought like that. Yeah. But, I over that. but that's why it's actually that's why that actually killed Shaw. Yeah. Okay. Because he it wasn't energy being displaced for him to absorb. Yeah. Like everything else, like the grenades or anything. That's just energy. Whereas this is just a force physically puncturing his his skull. Yeah. So then we see that. The all the while that's going on. Um, Alex 
Angel and then Banshee comes flying up out of the water, mm-hmm. saving Alex. From Angel. From Angel, because Angel at this point has spit fired onto his... Uh, disc. His, yeah, his focus disc, I guess that's what you can call it. Yeah, sure, that's what we'll call it. Yeah, because... Fuck what go. you think. <laughs> Fuck what you think. We're calling it a focus disc. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what this is called. His chest frisbee. There you go, his chest frisbee. So then, <laughs> this chest frisbee. Okay. Uh, oh my god, I love it. So as we watch that, um, uh, oh right, Banshee, because uh, this is when Angel is coming in and for like one last round, and Banshee comes flying, screaming out of the water, yep. blasts her back, saves Alex. And as they're going back towards, you know, the island, Angel spitfires at Banshee's uh, wing, I yeah. guess you can call it. And, you know, they he manages to scream them to the... The shore. The shore. They crash land. Beast and Azazel fighting it out. And then finally Azazel teleports back to the beach and is actually about to get... Actually has the upper hand... Until we see Shaw, quote-unquote Shaw, say, stop Azazel, and Azazel stops because that's who he listens to. Yeah. And even Azazel's like, wait, hold on. But by then it's too late because Beast has basically, because he's trying to teleport away behind Beast, and then Beast just like slams him. Yeah. And then we see Shaw transform back into mystique mystique all right um now pretty much some dialogue happens and then we get to the final scene yeah because at this point magneto comes out with shaw like what was it like pipes or something wrapped around his arms dead some type of metal drops him does his monologue thing of how humans will never accept them blah 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 can feel the... In full Magneto mode, by the way, with the helmet. Like, this is the first time he officially wears a helmet. Yes. Um, full dialogue of how the humans will hate them. He can feel the guns in the water turning towards, turning towards them because both the Russians and the Americans, the, their They've government... They've been watching this whole thing go on, too. That, and then the governments both fear them, so they just, like, bomb it. Just end it. So as that's going on, Moira tries to tell him, hey, don't do it, but then there's no communication, so she's like, she knows what's happening. And then they all fire at once. To when, to which Magneto stops all the missiles, both American and Russian missiles, stops them all. Mm-hmm. And... He's focused on holding those up Yep. when a small arms fire... I believe it was. Well, there's a well. He turns them around, and Charles is like, "Don't do it. They're good innocent men. They're just following orders." And you can kind of notice like Eric's face drop a little. Like, I'm done dealing with people who t- like. Yeah, this this is now evil, Eric. Yeah, this is actually this isn't even Eric anymore. This is Magneto. Magneto. So then he sends them off. They're flying back. You know, Charles is like, no, don't do it, blah, blah, blah. They're still flying till finally Charles charges at him, knocks him down, tries to get the helmet off. 
missiles drop, some explode. They're fighting. Eric gets them off, sends them back. Again, Charles get tr- charges at him, tries to get him off, and then basically Eric just punches him st- square in the face. Just enough time to where- for him to get up, start walking toward, like, basically, like, towards the ocean. Mm-hmm. With back full control of the missiles. Mm-hmm. So he's going back. And he, they're almost there because then the, you know, the generals are like, you know, it's been an honor serving with you, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when Moira comes in from the side and starts shooting at Eric's head. Yeah, trying to knock it off. Right, which doesn't work, which distracts Eric to turn around, deflect the bullets until one bullet he deflects went straight into uh, Charles's spine. Which causes Eric to stop. Because he realizes what happens. And run towards Charles and pulls the bullet out. Like, you you still see, even though he's on this rampage, even though he's dead set in his ways, he still cares about Charles. Well, yeah, I mean... Charles was the first person to give Eric any type of peace since he was a child. Yeah. So, so, like, the friendship is still there, which we do still see in the older ones, too. Yeah, and we see it in the newer, older cast and the newer cast throughout the rest of the series. hmm So, um, fun fact, it was actually Moira, Moira's fault that Charles is paralyzed. Yep. But Eric, of course, takes guilt in it because he basically, instead of stopping the bullets, he just kind of diverted their path from himself, mm-hmm. which inadvertently put one in Charles. Yep. So there's that, some sad that, dialogue. Yeah, there's a lot of sad dialogue and pretty much scene cuts at that. Well, then he's like, no more hiding. Being proud of who we are. And oh, yeah, so alluding then, to the next movie. Right, so Riptide, Azazel, Angel walk over towards Eric. And Eric goes toward, you know, like, reaches out towards Mystique and says, no more hiding. To which Raven starts walking towards Eric and then goes over to Eric, uh, Charles... And she doesn't say anything, but she says, you know, like, I know, Charles says, I know you want to go with him. And she's like, you promised to never read my mind and blah, blah, blah. So a little bit of dialogue there, but then she gets up, walks over to Eric and holds her, holds his hand, looks to Beast before they go and says, Beast, remember, mutant and proud. And then they teleport away. Mm-hmm. And then right before that cutscene. Air, uh, they all, Banshee, Beast, and Havoc run over to Charles. And, you know, he's saying, like, I, I can't feel my legs. That's when we actually realize he's paralyzed. Yeah, like then, because he repeats it multiple times. And then... It fades. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think, and um, right before we started... um before I shut off the TV and you were, I think you were in here um, or no, you were outside smoking before we started the recording. Mm-hmm. I was fast forwarding. There are no 
scenes after this one. Mm-hmm. Well, well, after they fade out from the beach, they go to Charles's house, yeah. and there's some dialogue there, and then they kiss. But Charles is like, you, you know, it's like to Moira, to Moira, and she's like, you won't remember this. Yeah. Because she goes, you know, Charles, I would never, I would never say anything. I would never give them anything. And he goes, I know. But. But, you know, you won't remember and uses his ability to. Mind wipe. Mind wipe her completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she goes back to the CIA, she's like, I remember a beach, something else, and then a kiss. And they're all like, oh, God. This is why women don't belong in the CIA. Yeah. And... Oh, they... Magneto, Azazel, Riptide, Angel, and Mystique break into the government facility where Emma is. Mm -hmm. You know, she hears the commotion, turns into Diamond. He rips open the door, blah, 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 and they walk in. And... Some dialogue goes on, and she goes, Eric, right? Or, like, I remember Eric, right? And he goes, I prefer Magneto. And, like, he's actually in the, pretty much the closest thing we're going to get to the, like, comic book So the red, purple with a cape. Yeah, and then the, like, little emblem with horns on the helmet. Yeah. But that's, like, pretty much as, like, close as we're going to get. Yeah. So, but then that is... The last of it. Okay. All right. So that was the end of the movie. Now we got some fun facts before we end it all because we're already pushing three hours. Oh, like, this is what happens when we talk about something. I really. <laughs> uh, so January Jones, who played Emma Frost in this movie. Mm-hmm. Had some time confusion because she normally, by this point, was uh, one of the stars in Mad Men, which was based in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thought this was not in the 60s because she took the role to take a break from that era. Mm-hmm. But she still did play the part very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh. They got one here. No accent. So Sir Ian McClellan and Sir Patrick Stewart were icons among X-Men fans and their portrayals of Eric Leshner and Charles Xavier respectively. They were the first actors to bring these characters to the big screen, making them both irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. So Matthew Vaughn, who was the director of this film, felt the two act or felt the two actors along with the rest of the original cast were so irreplaceable that he told the cast of X-Men First Class to not copy their voice. In an interview with some magazine, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy both admitted that they originally wanted to copy the greats that came before them, i.e. their accents, Mm -hmm. but were told to make their characters their own instead. Hence why there's a good bit of accent in James McAvoy yeah, compared to Patrick Stewart, which is more of a French-English accent, whereas James McAvoy is doing a, an English-American accent. 
uh, British uh, English and kind of like an offset, like North well, he, Eastern he's, American accent. James McAvoy is, is like Scottish, Irish? I think he's more Scott than Irish. He's one of the two. And then, of course, Eric Leshner, the only real accent that he portrays instead of a true American accent is German. Yeah. Like, a, like an English-German accent. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Yeah, let us know what you got with that one. Uh Oh, he's Scottish. Scott, that's what I thought. He, yeah, he, he's Scottish. Um, With the... Portrayal of the mansion, um, Xavier's mansion. About halfway through the film, Charles and the other mutants must flee from their government hideout. Charles takes the group to the lavish mansion on the countryside that was passed down through the family. The mansion will later become Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, also known as the X Mansion. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, of course, it would be expensive. Uh, expanded on to make it a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. But uh, it is the base for the school. Uh, the film located for this mansion actually was a long history in film. The mansion is the Inglefield Estate and is a popular film setting for multiple well-known films and TV shows like Netflix's Close, Jingle Jangle, and Black Mirror. It was also the filming location for Tom Hopper's The King's Speech. That was a good movie, too. Magneto Misspell. So besides Charles Xavier's X-Men First Class, other main character is Eric Leshner, also known as Magneto. The relationship between Charles and Eric is always been turbulent. We all kind of know that. <laughs> yeah. Um whether in movies or in comics. This is a staple in those two characters' lineage. Uh, the film offers a whole new look at how their relationship was born. One tiny goof in the movie is a misspell of Eric's last name. Den of Geek points out that in the final credits scroll of the film, Michael Fessbender is credited as playing Eric Lenshear. Lenshear instead of Lenshear. No, it, it it it's still it's Lenshear. But they forgot the H. H. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it. So this spelling is incorrect and in all movies and comics it is consistently spelled with the H. Right. Hmm. Wow. They had one job. Jennifer Lawrence took over the role as Mystique from Rebecca Romain, um, which at the time was still Stamos, I believe, when she played it originally. Hmm? She didn't um, divorce Stamos until after her first film as Mystique. What are you talking about? John Stamos. Fam, uh, um... Full House, right. Uncle Jesse, right. The original Mystique, Rebecca Romaine, uh-huh. was married to John Stamos, so it was Rebecca Romaine Stamos for almost twenty years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, it wasn't until after her depiction of Mystique that she divorced John Stamos and dropped the name oh. and went back to her maiden name of just Rebecca Romaine. I did not know that. Yeah. Learned Mystique is a shapeshifter in her original form was blue skin, red hair, and yellow eyes. The look is very important to her character development and X-Men First Class. According to Business Insider, Jennifer Lawrence told Jimmy Fallon that her makeup took about eight hours to apply the first time, Ooh. or in this movie. Yeah. Hence why it doesn't look so natural as far as her head either. So the upper makeup doesn't look so her because it's a lot. It's yeah. a whole prosthetic piece. I, I can see that. That's like... Ooh. And um, when she's in this form... Her hair, her natural hair, is all bunched up underneath it, making it bigger. That would explain why it did look bigger. So, Rebecca Romaine's hair was actually her, I believe, her hair dyed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's see. Mystique spends much of the film as Raven form, which required only normal amounts of makeup for Lawrence. So, regular makeup instead of uh, cosmetic makeup. Oh, that's good. Uh, yep. We, oh, yeah, so it was uh, Wolverine that they uh, the other scene was in. And then it was originally like we told during the last episode that this movie was actually supposed to be the origin story of Magneto or X-Men Origins Magneto, but instead because of different issues they just changed it altogether. The first class. Uh, no. Oh, no. This is when they were talking about X-Men Origins. When that was a thing. Before the yeah, things before got scrapped. This. Yeah, before this became yeah, the that... origin of both Magneto and Charles. Oh. Uh, let's see. No. Okay, the X-Men uniforms. I'll let you do this one. The blue and yellow uniforms worn by the mutants in the final battle with Shaw are iconic. And most importantly, the uniform finally denotes yeah. the X-Men as a unified team. The uniforms are one thing from the original X-Men movies that have aged poorly. So it's refreshing to see something new. That's legit. The uniforms are a homage to the original outfits worn by the X-Men in their comic book comic debut. As explained in Rolling Stone, the first issue of X-Men in 1963 featured everything fans know and love about the series to this day. Xavier Magneto and the School for Gifted Kids. It only makes sense that at least one movie should reference the group's original uniform. See, I knew it! I told you! It was you. gifted kids, not youngsters. Oh, I ain't talking about that. I was talking yeah. about the uniforms. Yeah, no, yeah, that, okay. that's, yeah, that, <laughs> yes. But I'm talking about the name of the school. Oh, okay. When did you bring that up? I don't remember you bringing that up. I don't know if it was with you or with, I think it was with Owls when we did the first one, because it said gifted youngsters. I was like, what the fuck? Was, That's I don't wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't That's remember. not supposed to be youngsters. It was always kids, gifted kids. Yeah, because I don't, I don't remember Or children. That. It was one of those two. But yeah. when the movies came out, I believe is when they changed it to youngsters because of political correctness. 
Oh, God, I'm so tired of political correctness. Oh. Like, it's fine, but maybe, like... Maybe we can get into that after we get done with this series. Or... I mean, there's a lot of Or subjects. we can do a second, a, a different, like, just chatting kind of thing and do an off-branch. I mean, there's like a ton of things to talk about. So, let us know in the comments or... Hit us up on Discord or any of our socials if you're listening in audio land and let us know. Do you want us to kind of talk about our ideas on political correctness or what? Anyway. No subject is safe, people. Just letting you know right now. Except we grew up on good comedy, on the original comedy. The only thing I cannot talk about is anything military related. That's fine with me because I have like military and politics. Politics it gives me a migraine. I lose IQ points. Okay, last point before we wrap this up. So James McAvoy's <laughs> hair incident. I remember this. So Charles Xavier, otherwise known as Professor X, is an iconic character in the Marvel comic universe. Perhaps the most iconic thing about him was that he was consistently bald. Hence why one of the reasons why they chose Patrick Stewart, because during his upcoming in TV as uh, Captain Picard Mm -hmm. in Star Trek, he was he actually started out with hair in Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the original series. But over time, just said, you know, what, fuck it, because all he had was the the bald top and the horseshoe hair for a while. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Then he's like, you know what, screw it, I'll just shave it all off. And it became bald throughout the series because it was easier to upkeep. Yeah. So with that image in everybody's head from his time as Picard, it fit well with the Xavier mindset. Yeah. Um, but anyway, continuing on, uh, so it would only make sense that James McAvoy, cast as a young Xavier, would need to shave his head, right? Wrong. According to Entertainment Weekly, McAvoy showed up to the set of X-Men First Class with completely shaved head. Mm-hmm. Only to be told by the director, Matthew Vaughn, that young Charles would have a full head of hair. McAvoy was only trying to follow in the footsteps of the great Sir Patrick Stewart and his portrayal of Professor X, but it was a bit too eager. I found that out. I'd bust it out laughing. So my question is, did they wait for him to grow his hair back out? It's a wig. The whole time? Mm, I don't know about the whole time, but I do know like when he they the, did this movie when they did this movie, it was a wig. I believe so, yeah, because he like it was before the movie, but I believe it that is. That makes more sense because it's a little too round to be his hair. Because the image, uh, so right now, what for those uh, listening out there on ScreenRant.com, X Men First Class tenth anniversary facts. There is an image of everybody when we were talking about the X-Men uniforms. The image shows James McAvoy's natural hairstyle, which isn't very poofy in the back or as long. Long being it's all the way to his shoulders in a very poofy fashion. Yeah. Whereas it's more tapered in the back and closer to the skull and then kind of poofy or um, bowl cut almost on the top. I I think like... I I did I think I did hear that he did 
have to wear a wig and then it like grew out but i don't know if like how much by that time so i'm i'm thinking because of the way it looked in days of future past that was his real hair i think so yeah because by apocalypse he's bald yeah let's see let's see what uh what the time frame was so movie there we go so first class was 11 14 was the days of future past so that was plenty of time for him because he was the next movie after this is the wolverine oh that's when he's in japan right yeah okay that's when he goes against uh Silver Samurai or whatever his name is. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen The Wolverine? So, the, so this one... I haven't seen The Wolverine. I haven't seen... I haven't seen The Wolverine. I haven't seen... I've seen bits and pieces of Days of Future Past. I've seen Deadpool. I've seen Apocalypse. That's my other favorite. I've haven't seen Logan because so, it, Logan's old man Logan. Yeah, because well, when well, that came out and everything, I hadn't. There was no, I didn't have anything yeah. to be able to watch it. So, the Logan movie is based on the later comics that depict old man Logan is right. what it was referred to during the comic series. Right. That I know that's about based it. On. So, um, and I've seen Deadpool too. I haven't seen Dark Phoenix because again, nowhere I could watch it when it came out. They didn't have these options in 2019. Right, and then I haven't seen The New Mutants. And that's the only one I haven't seen yet. Oh, cool. We can experience it together. Yes. Okay. We're going to miss some stuff. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck, yeah. I was just like, we're going to miss some stuff. Um, But, yeah, anyway. Any who's? Any hoes? smooth thank you i appreciate that you're quite welcome well thank you again for joining us for another episode of madhouse presents group therapy where tonight we talked during episode 14 on x-men first class again the first movie in the new cast um, of the x-men cinematic universe where we sat here and summarized talked about what we kind of liked didn't like in the middle of everything versus Mm -hmm. leaving it towards the end Yep. And then a few fun facts. Um, but if you want to see this after it is ended in the live stream, what you can do is go check us out on YouTube. MHP or Madhouse Presents Group Therapy on the lovely Tube of Use. YouTube has us, we have there with all our past VODs from our live recordings. If you want to get in touch with us, on social media we have a twitter mhp group therapy is our tag and also on twitch where every wednesday night we do a live recording of each episode and that is on uh, twitch.tv backslash mhp group therapy also if you follow or go check us out on twitch you can uh, get some links to our discord channel which is the madhouse and you can uh, find links to other Madhouse streamers like myself, NLMP, and Jordan, Unreal Style TTV. For now. For now, until we get a rebrand going, because that's something we're going to discuss over time. Too. Yeah. It's a process. Yo, trust me, I know. 
I've helped many a people rebrand themselves. Yeah, it's a process. It's like, oh. um, where else can they find you? I am on Twitter, though mostly all of my Twitter is honestly like I've just been like retweeting like really like scenic pictures and tattoos and stuff. But I mean, hey, come have a look. And oh yeah, I do retweet what you tweet out too. So what is your Twitter? My Twitter is Unreal Style One. So you can check me out there. You can check me out on Twitch. And that is about it. I don't really have all that much. Yeah, what happened to your TikTok? I haven't bothered trying to figure out what the thing is in the i.e. they are too fucking lazy to recover their account. I.e. I work nights and I sleep during the day. <laughs> that that's my problem. Yeah. Um you can find me again on Twitch, which is NLMP. You can find me on TikTok, official underscore NLMP. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, you can now just search NLMP and find me there. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Twitter is NLMP Joker. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Uh, eventually, I'll work on a Facebook group for group therapy. Um, so y'all can all add us there and hang out, check us out, say what's up. But uh, if you like to see the, if you're watching on YouTube after the fact, please come join us on the live recordings. Uh, again, that's every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And. Typically, it's about an hour, maybe two, but this is probably the longest we've gone because <laughs> we actually got Jordan to talk. This is what happens when I talk about something I really, really like. Yeah, she would not let me fucking push on to get this shit done in two hours. No, we had to talk about every fucking scene ever. Oh, just wait until we talk about Apocalypse. Y'all, I need you here to help keep me busy. <laughs> keep me occupied. Sorry. All right. But um, anyway, really. thank you again, guys. I hope you all well. Thank you for joining us or watching us after the fact on the on YouTube. And come hang out with us. Come say hello. If you want to suggest uh, topics for future episodes or suggest interviews for future episodes, please check our suggestion tab below. There will be links in all show notes for audio listeners and you can uh, hit us up there. Also in the show notes for audio listeners, we, I will have references to any sources that we use like the two websites, the wiki page to help keep me in line and did nothing for Jordan. And then the uh, screenrant.com where we pulled our fun facts for this movie out at. Thank you again, everybody. I do appreciate you. I say keep those smiles beaming. What do you got to say? Keep your style unreal. That's actually not bad. Hmm. Now you got to change it when you rebrand, though. Oh, that'd be easy enough. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Peace. <laughs>